Today on the show, we take a deep dive into the obesity epidemic that is plaguing the U.S. After that, we talk to Deja Burchette about the walking jerk. After that, we bring in James McInnes, the founder of Odd Burger, which is hopefully coming to your town soon. And we finish with Sarah's news as she brings us a story about ballpark food that is sure to please. But first, let me tell you all about NextWave. Yep, NextWave Services is a website design company that provides high-quality website design and maintenance work for businesses at a flat rate. NextWave was born from the idea that everybody needs access to seamless, reliable, and professional website design and maintenance service on a consistent basis. NextWave believes that their excellent track record of repeat business is proof of their commitment to delivering first-class service all of the time. Now, you can get a free website consultation when you check them out online at nextwaveservices.com. Founded in 1998, which is almost as old as the internet itself, that's Next Wave Services. It's time now for the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, your daily dive into sports, pop culture, beer, and food with a plant-based spin. I'm Dee, and along with news anchor Sarah Carlson, producer Eric Rogers, and today's special guest, James McInnes. Here's a man that eats fast food and then food fast, Rick Reynolds. Hello, hello, and what is up? We have made it one full week. Who would have thunk it that this show is still going strong one week in? Yes, welcome to the Real Men Eat Plants podcast, along with Sarah Carlson and Eric Rogers. I am Rich Reynolds and happy to have you along. You can find everybody on social media as well, especially Eric, who loves to pimp his handle at Eric Rogers Brand. There it is. If you're watching on YouTube right there, at Eric Rogers Brand, you can find him all across the social media sphere. Sarah and I are still the uh, ones that are lagging behind on that, but we are on Facebook and Instagram and all that other kind of good stuff. Also, if you could, go to our website, realmanyplants.com, and click on the podcast page, and then right below that, there's a button that you could click that you could support us and also... Um, support Paul's Party, and Paul's Party is a great charity uh, to go ahead and get involved with. We're just looking for six bucks. That's all that we need. Uh, we're splitting it right down the middle to help fund the, the podcast and also Paul's Party. And Paul, again, a kid who was born with spina bifida, died a few years ago at the age of 15. His mom has carried on this charity in his memory and has raised a whole bunch of money so that kids with disabilities can actually have a little fun in their lives and play some sports and the, all that equipment uh, costs a lot of money. So if you could, uh, please give. And again, all you got to do is go to our website, realmanyplants.com or go on Patreon and just uh, plug us into the search there and you'll be able to find us and donate today. So thank you. And that's uh, a big thing, I think, for us. If you guys can go ahead and do that. Speaking of big things, we're supposed to talk about obesity today. And that was something that, you know, we, we touched on a little bit yesterday and we were going to talk about a little bit more today. And I do want to dive right in because I think it's a big subject that we need to tackle here, uh, as far as, as obesity comes, because even our guests today, now we're going to try something different. We're going to do two guests 
today on the program. We're going to talk to James McKinnis, and James McKinnis is the founder and owner of a company called Oddburger. And Oddburger is up in Canada right now, but they're going to be coming into the United States, and they do fast food differently. Everything on their menu is vegan, and they got breakfast, lunch, dinner, all the fast food items that you would think of. So say, like, for breakfast, the thing that probably pops in your head right away is an Egg McMuffin. They do a vegan version of that. And for lunch, if you're thinking of a burger, they got something that looks like a Big Mac and something that looks like a Whopper, but they do a vegan version of it. They got shakes. They got, um, you know, everything that fast food places have, they just do a vegan version of it. So we're going to talk with James McGinnis. And then we're also going to talk to Dejan Burchette, and she's going to be here uh, talking about a food truck that she's looking to get going in the Madison area. So um, I think that's all pretty cool. And it really does lead into this whole topic about obesity and being overweight. And we talked a little bit about that yesterday, and we gave you a percentage that's kind of eye-popping. At least it is to me. So when you hear something like that and you hear that 73.6% of Americans are either overweight or obese and that obese numbers somewhere like in the 42 to 44% range. So the rest are just considered overweight. Is that not scary for you? Because it's scary for me. And I think it's something that people are really afraid to talk about. You guys seem also afraid well, to talk about. No, I, I, <laughs> I have no fear talking about it. I think um, it scares me because I think people don't know that number and don't get it. You know, too few people take the time. People will play on their phone all day, but they won't take the time to recognize what causes it. And if they are simply overweight, so let's just take that percentage, okay? What they can do to become healthy. It's really, really not that hard. And I, I sound like somebody at a health clinic, and that's boring as hell, but it, it, people don't know it. And it seems like people don't care, especially how our quick service restaurants, all the, uh, you know, fast food is just thriving. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's actually gone up, and it's gone up since COVID. Um, and I think, though, uh, you know, people are afraid to talk about it, and, and maybe there's the, there's a danger even in talking about it because all of a sudden, if you talk about obesity in a negative light, it seems like you're fat shaming. And fat shaming is something that everybody tries to avoid. And I think people need to know the difference, okay, between talking about obesity and fat shaming. All right. Now, if somebody's walking down the street and they're obviously obese and you see that they might be dressed with something that maybe is offensive to you, maybe, uh, you know, they're, they're showing their midriff or they're wearing something too tight and you tell them something about themselves that hurts their feelings. Now, that's fat shaming. Uh, to me, that's that's where you're, you're crossing a line. Talking about obesity and obesity in the U.S. and the health problems that are related to it and the actual numbers and stats, that's not fat shaming. Um, you know, obesity leads to a lot of health problems in the U.S. And talking about it or not talking about it, you know, is more of the problem. I think because we don't talk about it because we're afraid of fat shaming, then all of a sudden now, you know, it, it, it becomes an issue. And so we, we haven't gotten you to chime in yet, Eric, and I, I really would, would like to because you're a guy who's in pretty damn good shape over there. And um, you're, you're uh, the, the kind of guy that I don't think is going to fat shame anyone. 
But but talking about obesity is a little bit different, though, isn't it? Well, so listen, the 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 biggest thing is these fad diets are just that they're a fad diet, and and as soon as you lose the weight, it's so much it's so easy to like gain it right back. So there needs to be a lifestyle change. That's part of I guess our mission of the podcast is, uh, you know, so that we can you know give people the education to to make their own. Uh, make their own choices. So as someone who has been involved in fitness and physical activity my whole life, it's not that hard to uh, see something, see some information, see how it's affecting my body and go, yeah, that's not working for me. Um, So one of the things for me is sugar and alcohol. Like, you know, so many people, they combine the two, first of all, like you have all these sugary alcoholic drinks. Um, Do I occasionally take part in that absolutely but it's one of those things like there's so many things that it affects in your body uh one of them you know we have a real many plants podcast so we have a large faction of people who are male who are watching and listening to the podcast so alcohol affects testosterone levels and that's a big part in like you can do all the physical activity you want but then you're going to go and 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 ruin that progress with alcohol and and just what it does to the testosterone levels and everything else in your body. So it's just like all this stuff combined. Um, yeah, it's just, you, you gotta look at the evidence and what it's doing for you and, and make that change. I know that's a lot easier said than done. For you know, you, you bring up alcohol and yeah. we've mentioned it a few times already. We're behind the cheddar curtain in Wisconsin. The other thing that Wisconsin is really known for is binge drinking. And there was like a study that came out, I think this was like three years ago, and they rated like the drunkest cities in America. This was like right before COVID. And out of the top 20 drunkest cities in America, 15 of them were in Wisconsin. Now, you would think that that would be something that Wisconsinites would be ashamed of. But the opposite is true. In fact, they were proud of the fact that the you know 15 out of 20 cities were the drunkest cities in in the united states and so so you bring up like a really big issue right there i mean drinking absolutely um can contribute to to obesity um and and the problems um that are uh, definitely health related sarah brought up the the fact that you know fast food is, is also one of those things you would not i i think believe this but it, it it's absolutely true of adults, so about 85 million adults in the United States, eat fast food every single day of their lives. That's more than one in three that eats fast food, and that's when you include... So like wow. like pizza places too. So like Domino's and uh, Papa John's and and stuff like that. So one out, it's more than one out of three yeah. adults eat fast food every single day, and especially lunch. So um, of everything that was purchased by people, forty four percent of it is lunchtime food. Um, but the amazing thing is that there are people that eat more than one meal per day of fast food. Um, which is really incredible, and that falls just. Well, they must have a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, you know, it, it's not cheap, <laughs> and um, it, it, it's really actually kind of scary. So, so right before doing this show, I was a district manager for Arby's, and I, I ran six Arby's on a daily basis. And there was a day, and I, I kind of outlined this in the blog on RealMenEatPlants.com. 
I was going to get stuck that day in the drive-thru. I knew that I was going to be working drive-thru for 10 hours at one of my stores. We were short-staffed. It had to be done. So I'm in the drive-thru, which, by the way, everybody is like, well, what about that voice? You should be on the radio and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I wanted to do a little experiment. And so what I did is I had a sheet of paper. And I marked down every car. I did a tally for every drive-through car that came in that day. There were 220 cars that passed through our drive-through that day. This is one of our slower stores, but 220 people, 220 cars. Of those 220 cars, I would then mark down a tally if their belly was rubbing against the steering wheel as they were in the drive-through. Now, think about how hard that is to do. And and I challenge you when you get in your car today. Take a look at how far away your belly is from the steering wheel. Okay? It's it's a good long ways away. I am not rail thin. I'm sucking yeah, in I, right I'm now. not even rail thin. <laughs> and my, my belly's nowhere near the freaking steering wheel. Okay. So 220 cars pass through. Out of those 220 people, 114 of them had their bellies touching the wheel. That's over half the people that came through the drive-thru. I felt bad, seriously, handing them bags of food that I know was uh, killing them. I mean, absolutely killing them when they were already well on their way at being morbidly obese. And so, uh, again, you know, this topic all started because, you know, we were talking about Lizzo's thong and, you know, all of that at the Lakers game. And, you know, and, and people told me that I wasn't being hard enough on, on it. Listen, I'm, I'm not trying to fat shame anyone. What I'm saying is if your belly's touching the steering wheel when you drive, that is not healthy. You, you're not in a good spot. And it makes me think, because I was looking back on pictures of kids in schools and pictures of people on beaches from, like, the 1960s and 70s. Have you ever seen this? So, so take a look at, at pictures of people like that, and one thing you will notice is you don't see a lot of overweight people. In fact, you hardly see any at all. None of the kids were overweight. Very few of the adults were overweight back then. And the epidemic has grown greatly because of one of the things I think that Sarah was talking about yesterday, processed food. Then you take the processed food and make it even worse by making it fast food and all of the stuff that they put in and everything, and none of it is is good for you. And so now you package those two together along with lifestyle where, where exercise really isn't as prevalent as it used to be, and now you're creating an epidemic, an epidemic where... And I have to yeah. say, too, we, we have a lot of people, just in case there's somebody listening and getting pissed I don't at know us. what they'd be mad about. there are some people with, well I, there are some people who are overweight or obese who have emotional yep. issues i'm imagining that percentage is small out of that huge percentage that you've read but i can't just guess but i want to make sure we mention that because i think too it's become like um a, a binge eating can be somehow emotionally therapeutic uh and perhaps we didn't see it before because when you ordered a fries, um, I'm not going to name a, a, a fast food restaurant. It was much Absolutely. smaller too. Yeah. I remember that yeah. as a kid. They were. But if, if, if binge eating something that's not good for you makes you feel better because you're depressed or going through something. So now we have a different, you know, I want to make sure we mention no, that. It's, it, that's it's, real it's good too. to mention. It also makes me think of which one came first, you know, the, the, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. I mean, are you having emotional issues? 
because you are obese. Um, so there's been a lot more tie-ins lately and a lot more studies on the gut and obesity. And, and one of the new studies that actually came out has kind of linked the fact that the bigger that you get, and we're going to have to have this guy on. It was it was a doctor who I was, I was reading, and I'm, I'm trying to get him on. He actually has linked it with a study, and this was a pretty extensive study over a number of years with lots of people. Your brain actually gets smaller. The size of your brain gets smaller the more obese that you are. So as your body mass index goes up, your brain size actually gets smaller. Um, and it's something that you would never think is possible, but he studied, I mean, it's over 10,000 brains, um, over the course of years and looking at body mass index and the relation to it. And there's a real, you know, uh, drive for it. You also brought up the, the, the fact about emotional issues, what people are finding out now, um, and scientists have just recently uncovered serotonin is actually created in your gut. And they always thought serotonin was created in your brain. And so over 90% of the serotonin that your brain gets comes from your gut and then is fed up through your, your spinal cord and then the vagus nerve and all that kind of stuff comes straight up to, to your brain. And so if you are starving your gut and your gut is only going to flourish if you're feeding it stuff that is very healthy for you, a lot of like raw fruits, vegetables, stuff like that. If you're not getting that to your gut, the serotonin levels in your body are going to drop. And when they drop is when you do start seeing a lot of emotional issues like Sarah's talking about and, and that kind of stuff just kind of, kind of builds on itself and kind of feeds on itself and it's kind of scary. And so, uh, again, I don't know anybody who's morbidly obese that also is really happy about their body. I don't know anybody that would, you know, wouldn't like to change that situation. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a comedy, like, okay, so you've seen the Austin Powers movies. Fat Bastard. Like, Fat Bastard actually hit on something, like, he eats because he's unhappy, yep, he's unhappy perfect. because he eats. Like, it's, yeah. it's supposed to be funny, but it's totally, you know, it, it's a real life, uh, you know. Yeah, and, and it's where we're at, and, and again, we're not trying to do this to, to body shame anybody at all, and we haven't, you know, named anybody by name and pointed out their, their body and then made fun of them that way. I mean, this is just a, it's an epidemic, and I think people who are obese, and overweight are aware of this epidemic. I think that they would love to be able to stop. And I think a lot of times, again, and and I touched on this yesterday, this has to start at a at a school level. It's got to start with kids, and they have to to know that that being obese isn't a healthy path. I don't know if if Sarah, if you had to deal with this when I was a kid in school. So they would make us do like like calisthenics in the morning before class would start. And our teacher, who was kind of old school, now this is so old. She had a record player and would play a forty-five. And the forty-five, okay. Oh, I yeah, had that. And, and, I had and, that. And the, the forty-five <laughs> that she would play, the record that she would play, is a song called "Go You Chicken Fat Go." And I don't know if you guys have have you have you heard oh, of this song? Wait, hold on, what? Okay, it's, no, this is new so to it's me. go, you yeah. chicken fat, go. And so it's telling you during the song to do like push-ups and certain calisthenics and you could follow along with the song and do that. It Actually, in the 60s, President Kennedy sent that record out to every school in the United States. Now, nowadays, I'm thinking that people would be butthurt over the fact that they might be called fat, all oh, right? Yeah. And, and listen, it, it, it wasn't about that. 
Yeah. What what what, what it was about was hey, maybe you should start the day with some exercises, with some calisthenics. You'll feel better about yourself as the day goes on. And then maybe, just maybe, you'll choose a, a better, healthy lifestyle. And again, when I look back at those, and I, I challenge anybody, look back at the pictures of the kids from the 1960s in schools. They were not fat. They were lean as can be. And we see it even more and more in, in children today. Obesity in children is a real problem. Um, and, yeah, well, the whole the whole body image thing has changed over the years because you look at the way people looked that are, quote unquote, like in shape and like considered to be just jacked. Like those people back then, you'd look at them today. Yeah, and almost they were a lot of tap on yeah. stuff. Yeah, like the strong man, they weren't. They weren't yep. all super defined, overdeveloped quads. Like yeah, you see that and, all and the it's time absolutely now. true. I mean, there's there, there's a lot going on here, and I'm sure it's something. Now we've got kind of taken a more serious tone than we normally take on this show, but we're only five episodes in, and I think we're still kind of finding ourselves. But every once in a while, I think it's okay. And to address an issue like this, and like I said, I was challenged by a listener to to, to do it. I, I definitely want to be able to have a forum here where we can talk about stuff like this and know that where we're coming from is yep. not it, it, from a position to try and shame anybody into anything. It, it's to address like a real serious issue and topic that's happening in, in the United States. And a lot of yeah. it is because there's a lack of education of what we're putting in our bodies. I also have to say another quick thing. It's sort of similar to the first thing I said, but the other uh, pressure on females especially is to be so mm -hmm. stick thin. And I think if you have teenage girls or even young girls growing up thinking they're supposed to be the size of my pinky, um, they don't get there. And then they think, well, forget it. I, I, I'll just right. overeat because it, it, that can become awful, awful pressure. Look at social media. Well, look at the ridiculous. Here's another change. Think about it. The, <laughs> the sex symbols from the 1950s, um, when you're talking about women, you're talking about Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield, and those women were not sticks at all. Those were women with curves. They'd be, yeah, well, well, I mean, they were, they the were standards, yeah, and, yeah. but you know what? That, I, mean, the, I really believe that's a healthy size. I, I, I don't see anything wrong, wrong with that. I don't think that's, that's overweight or obese by, by anyone's standard. I mean, what, what we're, we're talking about is bellies that touch steering wheels. Hey, we, we've gone too far. All right. Then, and, and not to address yeah. that subject and not talk about it is probably just as dangerous as it is, you know, worrying about whether or not we're going to body shame anybody um, into it. And what we're offering here, and so I'm not trying to beat anyone over the head with, oh, you've got to just go to a plant based diet, plant based diet, plant based diet. I tell you what, though, the plant based diet is the most sustainable and, um, I guess, safe and healthy way to do it and to live a lifestyle where you don't have to worry about counting calories every day and you won't be overweight and you can get yourself healthy. Um, and so just, a, just a, a, a topic that I think is going to come up over and over on this show and something that, that we definitely need to hit on and we will hit on a little bit more. But we are a little bit over time, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to start the parade of guests. Well, if a parade is two people, uh, we are going to do that with uh, Deja is coming up next here on the Real Many Plants podcast. Stick around.
All right, I've got something that I think is pretty cool to tell you about right now, and that is our partnership with Paul's Party. That's right. The Real Men Eat Plants podcast has teamed up with Paul's Party, a charity that funds FUN, and that's F-U-N, all capitalized, for kids with physical disabilities. Now, here's how it works. Just go to our website, realmeneatplants.com, and click on the link for our Paul's Party fundraiser. All through the month of August, we are splitting funds 50-50, with this awesome charity. Your contribution of six bucks will help pay for the costs of our very fine podcast, as well as raise some serious coin for Paul's party. Now, Paul was a great kid who passed away at the age of 15, but his mom wanted to remember him by having a party on the anniversary of his death to help raise money for local charities. Well, they ended up bringing in over $15,000, and with that, a new 501c3 was born. Paul's Party does some amazing events like Paul Palooza, which is Sunday, August the 28th at the beautiful Wisconsin Brewing Company in Verona, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's going to be bands there all day long, great food, and some delicious Wisconsin Brewing Company beer. You got to like that. Now, I would like to present them a big, fat, oversized check with a generous donation courtesy of our podcast subscribers on that day. Again, just go to our podcast page on realmeneatplants.com or click on the link or go even to patreon.com and type realmeneatplants into the search and give today. Thank you so much for your support and a special thanks to Kathy, Paul's mom, for making all of this possible. All right, it's so a two for Tuesday on the show. Actually, it's it's a Friday, but maybe you can imagine in podcast land that it's a two for Tuesdays. We're doing two guests for the price of one, and we are going to start with ladies first and a, a guest that I came across from a friend of mine who I worked with at Arby's, believe it or not. Um, she uh, told me her name is Ashley, and she's like, Ashley, you have got to have this girl on. And she sent me an article that was in Madison 365, uh, I'm guessing about two weeks ago now and we finally are having Deja Burchette on to the program and Deja welcome on in and I want to tell your your story just a little bit and you you're going to be able to tell it uh, better than than I can but you are trying to start in Madison a vegan food truck which I think is way overdue and probably because I know we have listeners in Los Angeles I know we have listeners that are in Nashville and Charlotte and uh, you know in in Houston and Dallas because it pops up on my you know analytics and they're probably laughing their ass off like ha vegan food truck we got lots of those but in madison wisconsin a vegan food truck isn't quite a thing yet so um if, if you could tell us the whole background and, and how you decided that you know what a vegan food truck is is what you're going to try to do hold on a second i think we lost deja completely where did she go there she is Hi, I have there she is was not cooperative. So we're, we're going to pick it up. Sarah's got a question for you, and then we'll just keep on rolling. All right. So, Deja, I can see by the look on your face and the smile when you tell your story that you have passion yeah. for this. I know we have a lot of listeners, but for those who are only listening, that smile and beautiful face tells it all. My question is a, as a mom and a formerly single mom of two, are your girls? Uh, yeah, it's all girls, right? Eating yes. vegan too? Everyone is vegan. Yeah. Um, so my oldest daughter, she did not start off um, as vegan. She's eight. Her name is Jenna. 
Um, she loved everything her dad loved. Her dad would give her chicken and whatever. She always was a meat eater growing up, but um, all of my other three daughters have never had meat before. Um, yeah, so I was when I was pregnant with my third daughter, my second daughter, I was uh, transitioning, um, but I never gave either of them meat. Um, and the transition for Jenna was actually very easy once I educated her and just kind of showed her like animals are our friends and um, just let them know, let them know that they have feelings and things like that. And they just have no interest at all in, you know, consuming things that Alive. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, you know, I was going to say that's probably the, the, you know, of the challenges that you have, getting approval from the kids on, on something totally new is probably up there in the list. But, I mean, you haven't, you haven't, you know, they've been, for the most part, living their whole life without it. So it's, uh, they don't know any different, really. So uh, what what other challenges have you seen along the way? Because it's, I'm, I'm sure the move from Indianapolis to Madison and everything and, and getting this started was, yeah, was one so, of those. Um, right now, I've been, I was married, actually, uh, when I was living in Indianapolis to my um, my kids, the, the father of my three children. Um, I was married to him. We had to end our relationship. Uh, and so when I moved back here uh, shortly after, I started dating uh, my boyfriend now of two years named Andrew. So Andrew was not vegan whatsoever, knew nothing about what it was to be vegan at all. And um, he just kind of was interested in it, though. He was just like, what are you eating? And he's like, there's no meat in that. I'm like, no, I was eating chickpea curry. <laughs> and he was so intrigued by it. So. Um, I really just would tell him about like why I was doing this, like what it meant for me to be healthy, um, to have longevity, uh, to be able to just kind of open, um, my mind and all those good things. I really think it's important for the children to, uh, eat more, more plant-based focused, um, just because I think that it helps them thrive. And, uh, he was kind of sold on that. He was, and he was, um, overweight actually, and he really wanted to lose weight and he didn't know what to do. So um, he just started to slowly try my food and he would just be surprised every time I would make like veggie lasagna. And he would always ask like, there's no meat in here. There's no cheese in here. And I'm like, no, I was making like walnut cheese. And he just <laughs> loved it. So, uh, and at first he still was just kind of, you know, skeptical. He couldn't let go of his favorite pizza was the home run in sausage pizza. And he could not, I know, right? He could not let it go for nothing. And I'm like, <laughs> I just was determined to trans to help him transition. So I made food with all my heart. I just would cook and put love all in the food. And I don't know, here we are now. And he is 100% vegan. He has lost like 40 to 60 pounds. Um, he feels better than he's ever felt. He like reads a lot of books now. He works out. Um, he's just, he just thrives and he's so happy that he made the switch. Um, and I just know that my love for cooking and being able to educate and I'm all self-educated. I've never been to school for any of this, but, um, just being so resourceful and informative has helped him. And I've helped more than just him. I've helped his mother, his cousin, um, all transition to being vegan. 
Holy cow. You know, Deja, this is the perfect topic for our show because we were just talking about obesity and the epidemic. And then one of the things that you can do is to switch to a plant-based diet to really help yourself out. And wow, you got Andrew to do it, which is a big deal, especially to get men to do something like that because they'll fight that tooth and nail usually. Uh, so the fact that you can do that, you're convincing. I love that. That is um, absolutely perfect. So, so okay, here's, here's what I want to know now. The food truck, what would you call it? Second thing, what is the food that you would serve on this food truck? And third thing is, how can everybody help you make this dream come true? Because um, I think this is a, a big deal. <laughs> okay, so the name is called The Walking Jerk. Um, it's a play on words. It's kind of funny. Uh, it kind of sounds like a little douchey, I guess, because the word jerk is in there. So. So the, the, <laughs> it, it sounds it sounds like something that my wife love calls it. me. So you know, what I would be uh, having on the food truck, the menu would be uh, tacos. So it it would be a Jamaican Hispanic spin on um, tacos, vegan. Obviously, uh, I perfected uh, my jerk recipe, so I make my jerk sauce from scratch. Um, I make like my flour tortillas from scratch. I make like taquitos and uh, jerk tamales um, with like shredded jackfruit. So the name really came because I love tacos. Like I could eat tacos every day. I put the most random stuff in a taco and it tastes delicious. So I just always loved it because it always feeds my family. We can get a pack of tortilla shells for a dollar and make a whole meal where everybody's full with some rice and beans. So I thought that that would be a really cool thing to um, have on the food truck. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much what it's called. And then uh, just some of the other things that I would have. Um, so Wednesday would be like my specialty day where you could literally find anything I'm in the mood to make from buffalo, vegan chicken, um, oyster mushroom tacos uh, to sandwiches, um, Whatever I want to make on that Wednesday, you can be sure that, you know, it's going to be delicious and plentiful. Um, and uh, so one way to help. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. My bad. Um, You're fine. <laughs> one way that you guys can help is actually uh, I have a GoFundMe. Um, I don't know if I can put in a link somewhere. I don't know how well. Obviously, we can't because we're on podcast but send the link to me and we will make sure to get it out perfect. there perfect so then i have a gofundme um, um and then i also have a cookbook that i just released so i have an e-cookbook um that i created uh all by myself with um i want to say that there are about 60 recipes in there um i've been working on this cookbook for a year now so uh yeah, um, it's called MyHealthRedemption.com. So you can click on MyHealthRedemption.com, all one word, um, and you can get that cookbook. Uh, there are some meals in there that will just wow even the most non-cooking person. Super, super easy, um, kid-friendly. Everything's kid-friendly. Everything's delicious. So those are the two ways that you can um, that you guys can help support. And wait a second, you're 26. Is that what you said? Yes. My God, when I was 26, yeah, all I was doing was, was getting drunk and working on the radio, and I thought that, you know, I, I that was life, and holy cow, I... 
She yeah, she's absolutely. Yeah. You are impressive, girl. I, I got to tell you, and I think that we missed out on an opportunity to actually have you cook for us, you know? And so, I would love um, to cook for you guys. I, I would love to. All you got to do is tell me when and where and blow your mind. Oh my goodness! You, we are gonna take you up on that. We are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go. We are definitely. <laughs> we definitely, got lunch. This walking yeah. jerk. Yeah, this walking jerk is gonna take you up uh, on that for sure. Um, so we will have the link on our social media and on our website as well. Hey, Deja, good luck to you. We're definitely gonna stay in touch. We're gonna want to try that food. And again, her GoFundMe page and all of that kind of stuff. We're gonna have that up for you on our website. It has been a real pleasure. And we are gonna talk then now from one uh, food person to another, the owner founder of Odd Burger, a fast food vegan joint up in Canada that's coming to the U.S. His name is James McInnes, and he's up next. All right, time to tell you about Veg Reg. Yeah, VegReg.com helps you find plant-based restaurants and businesses in just one click. And if you are a vegan-friendly business, they can help you get found. If you're searching for healthy, cruelty-free meal options in your local area, Veg Reg is the perfect solution. Another great thing about Veg Reg they have recipes. And when I say recipes, I mean real recipes. A Bacon Lover's BLT, cookie dough protein bites, penne arrabbiata, now that's the entree and not the character from The Sopranos, and even a vanilla bean, that's vanilla bean, he said, cheesecake, and they are all plant-based. You can also find Spotlight Vegan Businesses and more when you click on over to VegReg.com. I would say tell them that Rich sent you, but you know, it's a website and no one would hear you. That's VegReg.com. All right, time to bring in our guest now. He is an accomplished entrepreneur and scientist. He was involved in the development of the product line, implementation of the technology systems, and foundation of the Odd Burger brand, and has been vegan for more than eight years. Let's welcome the co-founder and CEO of Odd Burger, James McInnes. Uh, And James, welcome on in. We appreciate you joining us. And let's talk about your vegan journey because I know it's a little bit different for everyone. How did it start for you all those eight years ago? Uh, yeah, actually, we, uh, I started um, just trying to plant-based diet, just seeing how uh, it would affect my health and seeing um, just kind of uh, really didn't anticipate in actually going vegan at the time. And um, once, I, once I tried, I felt so much better that I just stuck with it. And here I am, you know, eight nine years later, uh, still vegan. So uh, I'm just loving it. And not only vegan, but like doing something about it, and which I think is is pretty cool. That's that's kind of my mission too. Is not only to be plant based, but now I want to share that and do something about it. So um, you're doing something with Odd Burger, and for those that don't know or aren't in the know, what is Odd Burger? Um, so Odd Burger actually is um, a Canada's uh, one of Canada's first vegan fast food chains. And we're actually one of the one of the first in the world that is we're 100% uh, plant based. And what we tr really try to do is we try to um, uh, mimic traditional uh, fast food items and make them healthier, more sustainable, better for animals, obviously. Um, 
and to do that in, in a format that is affordable for customers and is accessible to, to people. So that's really at the core of our mission. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that you do mimic some of the other menu items because really just looking at your menu, one of the first things I looked at were the burgers. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that looks like a Big Mac and that looks like a Whopper. And when you do look at it, I mean, the, the one that looks like a Whopper is called a Vopper. I mean, so I love that you make no bones about it. Uh, you you kind of mimic. It, it, is that part of the the strategy to maybe get people to say, you know what, maybe I'm in the mood for a Whopper today, but why don't I have one that isn't loaded with saturated fat and cholesterol? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there is a special sort of connection between, uh, between all of us and things that we ate either as children or teenagers. Um, there's kind of this, uh, this, this sort of special connection in our minds that's been, been uh, you know, whether it's good or bad, it, it, is, it has been formed, that association. So, um, you know, and I, I guess we can call it maybe a habit, maybe it's a bad habit, but, but ne- nevertheless, it's something that people want to indulge in. And the thing is, uh, what, we, what we really want to do is make, uh, make it okay to indulge in those things again and make people proud to eat fast food again, not, not feel that you have to be uh, ashamed of it. And, and really, um, because you're, you're, you are doing uh, so, much, uh, so much better for the environment and for your health when you, when you choose a plant-based menu option. So, um, you know, we, we like to call our, our, our food healthier fast food. We don't claim to be, like, healthy because, you know, we still deep fry things. We still, you know, we still have, you know, lots of fat and lots of calories and lots of sodium and lots of sugar and that kind of stuff. But, you know, when you, when you look at the, the comparison of, you know, um, say just a, a plant-based burger, uh, you know, we use all natural ingredients like chickpeas and uh, beans and oats and that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot more fiber in our food, no cholesterol, a lot, a lot less saturated fat. So there are, uh, you know, uh, definite health benefits, but, but really the biggest benefit is the environmental benefit of, of eating a plant-based diet. That is just overwhelmingly the mass, massive benefit here to, to the planet. You're making a, a decision for the planet when you eat uh, plant-based. Absolutely. When it comes to conserving water, when it comes to climate change, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, deforestation, carbon sequestration, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, you're definitely making a good choice when you go plant-based. And, um, you know, I want to talk about, like, the ingredients that you use because I think people here are kind of familiar with the Impossible Burger a little bit, the Impossible Whopper at Burger King, and and they kind of get what that tastes like and and what have you. But um, instead of using Impossible or Beyond or a brand like that, you want your own way. You manufacture it yourself. In fact, you got a new manufacturing facility that you're putting together, uh, aren't you? Talk about that whole process because that is very singular in your industry. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think the, one of the reasons that we, we really didn't use, uh, you know, Impossible and Beyond. I mean, I mean, for for one, I mean, when we started when we started this business, you know, uh, neither of those companies the products were really accessible. So, I mean, that's just the first starting point. They didn't really exist when we started. So. We were making plant-based proteins before, well, not necessarily before they were, but um, you know, certainly in Canada, they weren't accessible. So, uh, I mean, that's that's one factor. But but you know, the the, the main factor for us is that um, you know, the, the, there's two things. Number one is is taste, and and we really want customers to have a unique food experience when they come to our restaurant. And I think you know, by using a, a, a you know what, what I would refer to as an off-the-shelf protein or, or something that people are eating at home uh, quite a bit, or that is found at other restaurants. You know, you're 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 you're, uh, you're getting that same type of flavor and taste, and um, you know, to be honest, it's a bit boring <laughs> to eat the same same burger uh, with every single meal. So, 
I mean, the, the, the whole point is, is to have some variety and have some variety of flavor and texture and, and ingredient profile. And, and that's, that's why it's so important that we make our own food because we, we do provide that unique experience that you're not going to find anywhere else. And, uh, and lastly, you know, we, we really, we're really proud of, of, you know, the ingredients that we use and, and then the simple ingredients. So a lot of our, a lot of our proteins, for example, have, you know, four or five ingredients and like really simple stuff. Um, you know, we're talking about like chickpeas and, uh, you know, flax and, you know, stuff that's like has some health benefits, uh, for people and it's not necessarily just, um, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, super highly processed, uh, you know, protein isolates and that kind of stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, you know, obviously you're still getting environmental benefits. But I think in terms of a, from a consumer point of view, consumers like to, uh, you know, I think they like the idea of, of things that are more natural and things that are a little more, um, uh, little, little healthier for them. Um, and that's why we, we make our own food. Uh, and this has sort of uh, brought us to making this, this new facility in, in London, Ontario. So we are building a new 50,000 square foot manufacturing facility. And this will be one of Canada's most advanced uh, plant-based protein uh, facilities, highly automated, uh, highly efficient, um, you know, massive output uh, potential, um, you know, all while being, only, being, being designed to, to work with more simple and natural uh, protein uh, profiles, which is, which is really important for us and, and I think our customers as well. You know, and along those same lines, like the uh, the expansion, you know, we're seeing some, uh, you know, reaching out into the United States and uh, and the the areas closer to Canada, the Canadian border. Now, what is that process like? Because you have this whole menu, you have items that are you know from different fast food restaurants. So, what is that process like for deciding what's going to go on your menu, and then just the development? Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, you know we built our we built our menu over you know many years. So so part of uh, part of what's going to be included in our manufacturing center is is a very state of the art R and D and testing facility where we're going to actually have an entire Odd Burger restaurant inside of our facility. And what that'll allow us to do is it allows to uh, have uh, you know uh, quicker and, and um, more efficient uh, iterations of our, of our product. And also allow will allow us to test like different machinery, and you know as we, we, we implement more automation in, in our in our restaurants, we can test that at our at our manufacturing facility. So I, again, you know we but but we've we've always been very driven by you know consumer demand. What is what do consumers want? What do they like? So uh, th th and that's the amazing thing about a restaurant. You can test something as a special. You can throw it up there for a few weeks or a month and see how it goes. See how people like it. See how the demand is. If people really like that new protein profile or they really like that new texture, you know, you know, you know, you're in the right direction. So, you know, a, a huge uh, component for us is is really like our, our customers help us to to you know really uh, say what's good by buying it, you know, or not buying it. And if it's if it's not great, then you know we we, we improve it or we ditch it. Um, so, the, the really like we were very much driven by by that data, and I think it's so important to to sort of kind of uh, keep your own ego out of it and. You know what, what we think is good uh, is one thing, but but you know what what consumers want and what they buy is another. And I think it's so important to you know keep that uh, keep that. Uh, in focus. Absolutely. You also mentioned technology a few times, and I'm kind of fascinated by it. So before doing this podcast, I actually spent five years as a district manager for Arby's, and so I'm kind of familiar with fast food. Which, by the way, it was really hard being plant based and working for Arby's at the at the same time. You know. Uh, you got to try to fake it, you know, that you like the products and all of that and, and are selling them to people. So um, as, talking about technology, you got like POS technology, so point of sale technology and like 
technology for fryers. I mean, stuff like that. That's a little bit different, a little bit more advanced. If you could talk about some of those innovations, because for someone who's worked in the restaurant industry for a while, um, I'm really interested in, in this kind of stuff and how you can make the life of an employee of a fast food place easier. And, and the idea is, again, like you said, is to make the job of, 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 of our fast food uh, employees easier and make them more efficient in what they do and make their and increase their, the amount they can output. Where instead of, uh, you know, a, a staff, you know, say flipping a burger and, you know, um, trying to perfect uh, how to cook it, you know, we, we use, uh, you know, automated cooking technology and, and, and specialized, uh, specialized ovens um, that, you know, cook our proteins in a minute perfectly every single time. So I, I kind of joke that we, we haven't burned a burger in like years. <laughs> so, um, you, you, you can't really mess it up. And and that's really important for fast food is, is people customers want consistency and they want it the same every time. So while at the same time, they also want it fresh. So you have those you have those kind of like three uh, key components that, 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 need, that need to be done right. So all of our food is made to order. And again, we're, we're able to do that through, through the automation. So when customers come in, they're not having you know a burger that's been sitting in hot holding for like an hour and it gets thrown thrown on their, on their on their burger as an afterthought. This is made for you the way you want it, cooked cook the way you want it. So, um, so that, this is this is kind of a, a, a fundamental differentiation. And I think as we um, as we evolve our technology at the, at the restaurant level, the idea is to increase this automation to the point where um, you know customers can um, can choose exactly what they want in their burger and, and have those things like pre-saved and in, in, in settings. So. We're currently, bit, we're currently in the process of uh, building a prototype for our what we call the auto garnish. That's uh, with an, uh, an ODD. Um, and the, the auto garnish will basically automatically garnish people's, uh, people's burgers and wow. fries and all sorts of things. Wow. Because the, the key is, is, is you got to think of the experience. Like, say you go to Subway or something, and you're trying to explain to the person how much mustard you want or how much sauce you want. It's, it's a, it's, it can be challenging, depending on who's working. Sometimes they put too much. and. It, you know, and, and that's a good example of, of where you know customers really want things built the, the way they want it, and this is where we, um, you know, are able to um, build a machine that's able to put, you know, say ten mils of sauce, uh, you know, three pickles, six slices of tomato, uh, you know, no lettuce um, on your burger, and and do it in a way that you can get that made identical every single restaurant that you go to, every single burger, because those profiles are saved in your online profile. So. Again, it's the idea of, of customizable consistency uh, across locations, and I think that's always been the goal of fast food. And the only way, really, way, real way of achieving that is, is through um, you know robotics automation. So, you know, again, my background is is in the field of uh, robotics automation and that kind of stuff, uh, more more on the software side. But uh, but as a as a computer scientist, this is kind of like what. Uh, Another area that, that yeah, absolutely fascinating. Nerding, yeah. nerding yeah. out on that, <laughs> <laughs> taking it. <laughs> I can put everyone to sleep on. 
No, I actually think it's it's pretty cool. Also, I mean, you know, I think you need stuff like that because your menu is big. I mean, when we look at, you know, fast food places, you could take a look at, you know, maybe a successful fast food place like Chick-fil-A, and they got a very small menu uh, by comparison to yours. I mean, you got breakfast, you got burgers, you got chicken sandwiches, salads and wraps, sides, desserts and shakes, all kinds of beverages, and it's it's a pretty big menu. Um, so when, when we take a look at your menu, what are more of the, uh, the more popular items what are the ones that people are, are really hitting every single day what what do you sell the most in your pmix what do you sell the most in your pmix well you know we, we we obviously there's our famous burger which is which is super popular and that's the the, the double burger with cheese pickles and special sauce so you can kind of guess what that's uh, <laughs> replicating but that's that's very popular and and, uh, and our chicken is, is hugely popular too so um you know our chicken burger our chicken wings our, our tenders um, we have our, our loaded fries are super popular, um, as well as all of our ice cream milkshakes, uh, sundaes. Um, you know, we, we just launched our odd NATO, which is like a, a vegan, you know, Blizzard or McFlurry, whatever you call it. Um, and and so, um, but but yeah, uh, as you said, like our, our menu is big, and and the the intention there is to to really sort of replicate some of the those those really big fast food chains that do have big menu items. Yeah, so then how do you go from, you know, you, you, you kind of talk about your, your past and the, the automation and, and uh, you know, being a, a scientist. So this was like the perfect job for you, wasn't it? To go, like, let's take my vegan journey and now turn this into, uh, into a fast food chain and, and do it this way. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, it, it definitely didn't start this way because, you know, like I, I st- I'm, I'm a tech person you know so I kind of came into the food industry as a tech person and uh, versus the other way around so I, so I, I sort of looked at the industry and said okay you know this is where the industry is at this is how people are cooking food now are we gonna do things the same or a little different and if we are gonna do things differently what does that mean from a technology roadmap so uh, but but definitely yeah it, it, I think it's it uh, it gives Odd burger a very unique um, sort of take on how to do things and I think you know, as a, as a tech leader, uh, I think that's, that's... Absolutely. You know, let's talk about some of the growth that Oddburger has been experiencing. And it's actually, I mean, quite big. And an announcement that you're going to go into Western Canada and a lot of locations there. Uh, what I'd like to know, too, is when are you going to come down to the States? Because I would love to have one in Madison, Wisconsin. love to have one in Madison, Wisconsin. Well, yeah, actually. So we, we are um, we're currently in the process of, of drafting our U.S. franchise agreement, so it's it's uh, kind of nearing completion. So that's that's going to be you know obviously the key to to us uh, staying in the states. Uh, the, the U.S. is a little different than Canada in, in that you know it's kind of a state by state sort of franchising process, which is uh, you know makes things a little little a uh, little more challenging for for uh, for growing. But you know um, nevertheless, it's it's um, you know each uh, the, the sta- some of the states have huge populations, so it, it, it's it's obviously worth the effort, but. But um, yeah, no, I mean, our, our goal is to be in the States within oh, wow. you know, six months, and we, we oh, have wow. a, a ton of franchising interest uh, from, from the U.S., just tons and tons of franchising interest, and we have people literally just chopping the bit to, to get Oddburger down there because it is such a revolutionary concept and it's such a uh, and it's such huge potential, um, I think, I think in America, because fast food, you know, is, is big in America. <laughs> it's yeah. America. It's yep. religion down there, right? So, yep. I mean, it's, it's popular in Canada, but I think it's, it's next level uh, down in the States, and, and, and we want to be part of that sort of um, uh, that, that that movement, obviously, and be the leader, and really, uh, you know, try to disrupt the the some of these big chains that that uh, that have 
you know, that I think a lot of people don't. You know, I love that you use that word, and it's in your mission statement. You know, disrupting the fast food industry. Well, what does that exactly mean to to disrupt the fast food industry? What What are you trying to accomplish with that? What What are you trying to accomplish with that? Well, I mean, like, like, listen, like, like, you know, I think if if anyone's when you, when you say, say the word fast food, I don't think anyone thinks that uh, you know is any much hmm. good uh, in the industry. It's not like considered a good word. I and mean, in fact, a lot of people. We're kind of like, oh, you guys just stay away from using that word. You should call yourself quick service or you know, call yourself something. Fast food is bad connotation, this and that. Well, you know, that's the whole point. That's why we call ourselves fast food because we want to re- redefine what it means. So, you know, fast food, traditionally an industry that's, you know, uh, horrible for your health, really bad for the environment, really bad for animals, right? So we're changing all three of those things, right? Uh, provide healthy options that are, that are delicious, that have some health benefits and still taste great. You know, obviously, environmental benefits, and you know, because we're vegan, we're not using any animals. So, it, when you when you when you do those three things, uh, you you it, I think you you have the potential to really disrupt disrupt the industry because fa- the current fast food restaurants are not addressing any of those things in a meaningful way. They're starting to by you know maybe having one plant based option, but they're certainly not going all in, and they're certainly just you know kind of dipping their feet in. And we don't have time to like dip our feet in. We have to make huge changes. And we have to do big changes quickly. And the question is, is who's going to do it? Are they going to do it? It doesn't seem like they're going to do it. Um, so we need a disruptor. We need the, the, a company that's going to come in and, and you know, make change and make, it, make people realize that, you know, I'm going to choose this over that because it's just better in all ways, including price. So... That, that's that's really what we need to do. Yeah, and talk about pricing because you know a lot of times, it, say you want a vegan option or a plant based option, it costs way more, and it kind of prices someone out of making that decision. And so, pricing for you is much more in line with like typical fast food, isn't it? With like typical fast food, isn't it? Yeah, like I mean, we our our pricing uh, even right now we're we're within a dollar of most major fast food chains, and and we're continuing to become closer and closer in price. Uh, actually, y- y- even even the plant based options at some uh, major chains are more expensive than our plant based options now. Um, so I was looking at KFC's plant based bur- plant based chicken burger uh, the other day, and it's almost a dollar more than ours. So. Um, even even the major fast foods that they implement, plant-based options are, are actually still more expensive, um, and so so you have you have this um, uh, real drive towards price, and price is huge in fast food. Like it's like everything, you know. And, and if you can't do it at a price that's competitive, then you really aren't fast food. You're just pretend fast food. Um, you know, you're you're because you have to have that price component. People are very price sensitive. A dollar. Uh, difference in a burger is massive for people. It's just, it's just, it's, it's kind of like that, um, that, that mentality in your mind of, of how you sort of like look at the fast food industry because you're always comparing a very, you're comparing, you know, uh, fast food option A with B, and you're, and you're looking at price uh, primarily. So um, yeah, we, we really focus on price, and, and we've been able to keep our prices uh, reasonable low because uh, largely because we manufacture our own food, we're able to control that supply chain. And we're not paying a whole middle middle uh, you know middle person uh, in, in that in that process um, that's uh, you know providing that doing that extra market with the food. So this uh, and as we as we launch our new facility and as we, we gain increased uh, production capacity and efficiency, we're going to we expect to see further price reduction. So the goal for us is to is to really start to uh, be priced lower wow. than traditional fast food. 
And if we can we can price ourselves lower than the major chains, I think there are Absolutely. There'll be a lot of people opting for it then. So okay, so good prices, good tasting fast food. How does someone get involved? If someone says, you know what, I'm thinking about being a, a franchisee, what are they gonna do, James? A franchisee, what are they gonna do, James? Um, well, it, it's it's uh, very simple. Really, uh, we, we go to our website, uh, oddburger.com, and, it, and uh, there's a section there about franchising, and you can click on the franchise link, and there's some info on that. There's some FAQs, like how much does it cost, what are the royalties, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, people understand what, the, what they get into. It, it is obviously, like, you know, significant financial commitment. But we do offer, uh, you know, in Canada, um, very, very good financing packages, up to 90% financing uh, of the cost of a franchise. So that just to help people with that, with that kind of cash flow. And, and there's a lot of uh, financial support up here. We expect to, to have similar programs uh, in the States once, once we launch down there too. So, you know, again, uh, you know, working with lenders to, to offer, uh, you know, aggressive financing options and, and really make it more accessible. So, so that's, that's, that's kind of the way. And, and uh, then there's an application form. They just fill it out online and, and then we start, the, we start talking and we start the... Uh, yeah, I think, too, if people want to invest, they can do that, too. You're publicly traded, which uh, you don't see uh, you know, quite as much, too, on, on something on your level yet. But you guys are doing that as well. Uh, how would I buy stock in Odd Burger? Well, uh, how would I buy stock in Odd Burger? Yeah, so um, if, if you're in the U.S., uh, we're on the um, OTCQB exchange, and that's just uh, the ticker is Odd AF down there. And nice. uh, in Canada, our ticker is Odd. So, um, you like odd AF there, Eric? I like odd <laughs> AF. <laughs> I absolutely do. <laughs> we just you're you're totally fitting in with our audience and and our show so i i think that is fantastic uh james it has been a real pleasure i hope everybody checks out oddburger.com and i cannot wait to the first time that i get to try one of those famous burgers and one of those milkshakes or an oddnator or something like that because i think this is wonderful stuff james and i'm totally looking forward uh to digging into some of your food so thanks so much for being here Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. Everyone has a story that's built on thousands of hows, whys, and whats. Join myself, Chris Sheeler, as I dive into how people live their lives, why they do what they do, and what goes through their mind while they do it. If you love learning and what makes people tick, my podcast, Sheeler Select, has you covered. New episodes every Monday. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or just anywhere you get a podcast. She's a mom with vegetables. She's so delectable. The cows and pigs, she set them free. Can't you see? She's a hot chickpea. Veggie stew, just for you. Sit on down, there's these or two. Two. 
We're going to have to have Harris on the program here pretty soon so that you guys can get a chance to meet him. He is a -a one-of-a-kind guy and uh, put that together for us. He's got some others that are coming our way as well, but I I just love listening to it every time, and it lets us know that it is time for Sarah Carlson's news. So, Sarah, you're up. Well, I'm guessing you have heard of or watched Hell's Kitchen. Oh, I love Uh, it. Super popular show. I'm going to admit, never watched it. You've never watched Hell's Kitchen? (laughs) Wait. Watched Hell's Kitchen. I've only heard people say, you've never watched Hell's Kitchen? Anyway. Do you know where Hell's Kitchen is better? Okay. Uh, It's raw. Yeah. You should watch Hell's Kitchen. There's uh does anybody ever watch Pluto TV? So there's there's a free like streaming like uh thing. It's called Pluto, and it's got a bunch of channels and channels you would never watch anywhere, but there is a Hell's Kitchen channel. And so they show Hell's Kitchen from old seasons. They just go in order and it's completely uncensored. And Gordon Ramsay just swears up a blue streak and it is so <laughs> damn funny. I mean, he's throwing things. I mean, he doesn't act like this in real life. I mean, it's, it's just basically like a character that Gordon plays because everyone says he's like really cool and nice and all of that, but he's really good at doing it. And it's so much fun. And it's an actual restaurant that you can go to. In in Vegas and go to the restaurant and you can watch the, the, the taping of it. And if the, the chefs screw up, you get the whole thing. I mean, it's like dinner and a show. And I've always wanted to do it. I mean, that is on my bucket list because I, I got a man crush on Gordon Ramsay. I, I think he's oh fantastic. Oh, love him. <laughs> this is where I'll cut you off, Rich. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I will, though. I'll admit, I'll admit I've always wanted to see it. So I now that I'm reading this, I will. Because that's so popular. There's a new vegan cookery competition similar to this coming out. It's a show called Peeled uh, fe- featuring an all vegan celebrity cast. I'm not sure whether they mean celebrities themselves or celebrity chefs, but we shall see. It's debuting next month. Now, Chef Josie Clemens, my guess is Rich might know names of chefs. I don't, but uh, Josie was the first vegan chef to compete in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. So yeah, there's actually Josie. there's a vegan chef this year on Master Chef, and Gordon has actually cool. come up with vegan recipes. Like he's famous for his beef Wellington, and he talks about how he had to make it like over a thousand times to perfect it and get it exactly right. And it's supposed to be like the the greatest thing in the world. He now makes a vegan version of his beef Wellington that is also supposed to be like to mm. die for. And he recently admitted that he actually loves vegan food and, you know, but it's just something, you know, in the, especially like the, the chef world and the real fancy food, it hasn't quite caught on yet, but it's getting more and more prevalent where you're starting to see vegan chefs. And so I'm loving that the show is coming out because for me, yeah. I just want to get more ideas. I, I cook vegan food every day. And if I can get some, that's new what I'm ideas, thinking. That's, that's why I want to exactly. watch. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they're going to be a, it's going to be a panel of celebrity judges again, whatever that means. Um, so this is making TV history. According to the producers, they'll be raising money too, for worthy causes. Gotta love that. Love it. Anytime All good. you hear of it. Yeah. So four of the contestants will compete for the top prize, the title of hottest vegan chef. Now, that only means they're staying at a vegan hotel in Costa Rica, which is pretty dang cool. Yeah. And then also the winner's vegan dessert will be available at select 
Copper Branch? Yeah, Copper be, Branch. Uh, so Copper Branch right now is the biggest like vegan chain of, of restaurants. So, okay. so think about it this way. If you've ever been to oh, like. that's what it says next. Yeah. <laughs> you if you've ever been to like a, a, a Chipotle. Um, has everyone been to like yeah. Chipotle or, or Qdoba or something like yeah. that? So it's that kind of a, of a restaurant, but with all vegan food. And again, they're they're Sweet. really popular in Canada and Europe. And I'm not sure they have one in Nashville. Um, and I haven't been able to make it make it down yet, but they don't have too many more in the United States. I think there's one in New York. There might be one in the state of Maine, I think, or Vermont, something like that. Um, but it, yeah, it hasn't quite caught on in the U.S. yet. But Copper Branch is is a, a pretty cool vegan, uh, you know, yeah. uh, concept. So love it. All right, so Peeled will make its debut Saturday, September 24th. And for those of you wondering where the heck can I catch this, it'll be available on Amazon Fire, Roku, and Apple TV. Beautiful. That's all all places you can actually catch a show. Excellent. All right, so um, it's time to talk baseball. Yay! My favorite sport. Yay! Yay. Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and this is a long story. I'm thinking we could talk about each of these places. Um, pretty cool. So only a few weeks ago, Wrigley Field partnered with Plantera to Ooh. put <laughs> <laughs> Stop what? it now. Stop it. Have you I been to Wrigley? To find... I tried I've to find my Cubs t shirt. <laughs> tried to find my Cubs t shirt for this. But I digress, yes. boys. <laughs> So it was just a few weeks ago that Wrigley partnered with Plantera to put plant-based burgers, vegan chicken-topped nachos, and more on the menu. So now Plantera is, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. I'm holding up like yeah. a, a Cubs book that was gifted to me by Steve Schmidt, who owns the Madison Mallards and the uh, shoebox. So anyways, sorry, That's it was sweet. it was in the office. I, I thought no. I would show it up. One of my favorite parts about this is that it's Plantera is a Brazilian, a subsidiary of a Brazilian meat giant. But we're going to digress because mm-hmm. there's more yep. to talk about about that. Um, but currently they're going to be serving these things and like adding to it as time goes on. Um, and by the way, there are other places with they're doing this too, like um, – Many, many others, although my notes seem to have lost. Okay, it. yeah, it's like I, Ozo Foods or something to... like that. It's like O apostrophe Z-O, um, and so they actually, oh, yeah. yeah, they're they're advertising at, at Wrigley right now and, and having products uh-huh. there, and so it's it's become a, they launched a, it a couple big years deal. Ago, yeah. yeah, so, um, and I, I love and apparently it. they're making it. things like this, this uh, Ozo brand, they're going to make things like bacon. Mm-hmm. Which this, that's a tough one. <laughs> Chicken shreds and cutlets to mimic their animal counterparts. They have some sort of technology called TrueBite. Mm-hmm. So again, they signed a deal with Wrigley during COVID, sadly. So this is sort of just getting up and running. Um, there, yeah. What else was it? The Denver Broncos. <clears throat> they're going to be doing that. That too, Lewis Hamilton them. recently bought an- into, so that there's kind of a link right there. there I you like go. that. Nice. Yep. There you go. So. so yeah, this is exciting. I had a list of other places. I know that um, in, uh, Boston, they were doing it too for baseball. Help me with names of fields. Yeah, that's Fenway Park. So this is now off yeah. the top of my head. Fenway Park, yeah. There you go. I, I, so I lost my, look at me, with using notes. My goodness, yeah, that is old-fashioned. Um, <laughs> It is. Well, I haven't figured it out yet. You know, now I got a mm-hmm. mic. 
And you sound great uh, finally. I love that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Feeling great too. But it's exciting. You know, the fact that I haven't been to Wrigley in years. I grew up in the Chicagoland area. I remember when, gosh, the Cubs games would let the softball players walk around the field. And I played softball for a short time as a kid. And all I ever cared about was, wow. Yeah. Being on, the I don't field. know if, if you cool. remember, and and maybe you're old enough for this. You don't look it, but um, you know Wrigley Field when I was a kid, <laughs> nice yeah, save. Kid, you you couldn't draw flies to that friggin' ballpark. Nobody would go to the games, and then Harry Carey came along as a broadcaster and was so popular that he made the Cubs popular. Uh, you know, even though they were, I mean, losers. I mean, the the Cubs never won anything ever, and you know they they finally won a World Series in 2016. But that that's a franchise franchise known as the lovable losers and uh, yeah right. he made it popular and it's stayed popular since then and it is it it's a fun place to go to i'm not saying it's the world's greatest ballpark but there's history there you could feel it there and there's always a lot of energy because there's always so many fans and um yeah it's kind of it's so, kinda, yeah. Sarah, did they did they say what you know specifically is going to be on that menu because they got to have a chicago dog right like a vegan version of that or something didn't mention that i know portillo's has it now you you can get a a chicago style vegan hot dog at portillo's yeah recently added you know and i'm wondering too yeah if they're doing it at wrigley are they doing it at wrigley north too are they bringing the food up to wrigley north oh i think we're (laughs) actually we've been talking about uh american family yeah yeah it doesn't work that way or miller park yeah once so the, I did find my notes, by the way, in, in, in Los Angeles at Dodgers Stadium, visitors have a vegan dog. So of that's course nice. they do. It's kind of like Los what Angeles. we're talking about yeah. at, at Of course. Yeah, okay. that, that's yeah. on brand. Yeah. And then it's Fenway Park that I, I wanted to Fenway make sure Park. I'm somewhere in Fenway Boston. Park. Yeah. yeah, they've got a massive vegan bar and restaurant across the street that's become really popular, apparently. But the thing is, they've got a craft beer. So you go there and the beer's good. And if the vegan options taste good, then that's great. Because a lot of times people aren't going to eat. Good stuff. Love it. Making me hungry. This whole show is making me hungry today. (laughs) Me too. The last story I have is about the Pope. And this was a story that came out a couple weeks ago. Pope Francis encouraging young people to eat less meat to save the planet. Now, I'm not Catholic. But I found this interesting. In a letter, he urged attendees of the European Youth Conference to eat less meat, suggesting they, quote, take action in creating a new path forward. And he said, I would like to tell you something that is very close to my heart. Above all, I invite you to transform the old continent into a new continent. And this is only possible with you. I'm not Catholic, but I know he's a world leader. And he's looking at the young people and saying, you got to make this I am Catholic, and I've been having this debate with the the priest of our parish and then also a priest from the high school that I went to. Now, he's a Benedictine monk. And so uh, the, the Benedictines are a little bit different. Um, I like their form of Catholicism because it's, it's actually a pretty happy place. Like he had a picture of Jesus laughing in his office. And you always see like, you know, pictures of Jesus. He's usually like on the cross and dead. And, you know, you're, there, are, there aren't too many pictures of happy things. But Jesus is like bellowing, laughing. I'm like, and, and I remember even as a kid. Yeah, I always found that like yeah. creepy though as a kid to see like, 
basically that's dead all you Jesus. see of Jesus is like dead Jesus or baby Jesus. These are they, these are the two things you see. He's he's born and he's dead. And there and there's not a lot of pictures like like in between. Never seen teen yeah, Jesus. <laughs> and and it, it, it's it's kind of funny. Here's Jesus laughing. And I remember as a freshman, I went to his office because I was passing by, and um, I, I looked in and I'm like, Father, you know, not, not for anything. Why do you have a picture of Jesus laughing? And his thought was, and I guess this is a real Benedictine kind of of creed too. If God is love and love is laughing, that's all part of it. Why wouldn't Jesus laugh? Like what? Duh. Um, you know, it, and then he has live, laugh, yeah, love, right. You know? <laughs> it, it, it all kind of makes sense. And I love, I like, like, like that form of Catholicism to me is really, really good. And I've, I've totally bought into that because it's not like, well, if you don't go to church on Sunday, you're going to hell, which is more like a Jesuit form of Catholicism. The Benedictine one is way different, but I've been having these debates with them about veganism and kind of challenging them because the more that we're finding out about animals being sentient, okay, even octopus um, or octopi, I guess, is, is the plural. Uh, they're, they're finding out have like, you know, they've tested them and have feelings. Pigs, by the way, um, have feelings and sing to their loved ones. And, you know, and, and people think it's funny because that's the one thing they always come back with vegans is like, well, what about bacon? And they're putting bacon on things. And it's like, dude, pigs are actually really sweet, nice animals that have personalities and they sing to their babies. And I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. Pigs can form real lasting bonds. And I think people too have all these pets. They have animals. They know that their dogs and cats have personalities and yet they don't make the connection from that to putting bacon on, on the plate, you know, and somehow. I have such a hard time with that. The way that we love our baby. Emma. Yeah. Oh. And I think I, I know so many other animals. We talked the other day about how the calves have to be removed from the moms. I've still had dairy since because I'm a vegetarian, not a vegan, but I'm kind of going, oh. They, All right. they do well, make vegan yogurt. And by the way, again, yeah, I just wanted to say, I mean, there is there is a debate in the Catholic world about this and about eating meat. And so, um, and so, oh, and so maybe that's what well, the, the, the Pope is building on right there. Well, and he he's talking to your, again, this is a European youth thing. He's, so he's, that's who he's speaking to, but he's talking about that generation having good cards to play, that generation being able to really turn this around, um, very sensitive to the environmental issues. So he says there is hope. So um, he talks about, and, and he combines like fossil fuels and meat as like, we got to look at the big picture here. Interestingly, uh, the Pope is not vegan, though reports have said he eats very, very healthy. Um, in 2019, he was challenged by a nonprofit called Million Dollar Vegan to go vegan for Lent. He declined the offer. It was kind of complicated. I didn't put it in my notes because it was like, if he did, then this would happen. And I think he obviously being the world leader he is has to be very, very careful and who's going to watch over him and what he ate and exactly what was in it, unfortunately. But um, yeah, he's, he's encouraging young people to take a look at this, eat less. Like if we all just ate, eat, ate less. Yeah, that's actually, if, if you watch the Game Changers, even Arnold Schwarzenegger has come to the conclusion and trying to convince people, hey, maybe just cool it with the meat on Monday. Go meatless Monday or something. You know, I mean, just something to, to get it started because, you know, after all, all it's going to do is is help. It's going to help you help the environment and uh, definitely help those animals as well. So, hey, guys, we made it through a week of doing this. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's it's. 
More weeks to <laughs> Pat come. on the back. Uh, everybody's clapping nice. for us. <laughs> Gotta love it. Hey, uh, for you out there that are listening, if you have not yet, please hit that subscribe button and you will never miss an episode. You can find us wherever you find podcasts or find us at realmeneatplants.com. And don't forget to also click on the link to help support us and help Paul's party as well. And find Eric Rogers at Eric Rogers brand everywhere across social media. All right. We, we did it. Five episodes are in the books. We will be back next week on Monday with a brand new episode. And oh, by the way, I, we will have a celebrity guest that I will be pimping on Monday. So you're going to have to stay tuned to find out who that is. But um, I would just say, if you enjoyed watching women run in bathing suits in the 90s, you're going to love this episode. So there you go. That's my hint right there. Sarah, you didn't enjoy that? I, I, nice. I thought it was great fun. <laughs> Not so much for Sarah. No. Okay. Uh, I just have no comments. <laughs> great job, guys. Yep. Uh, remember no to, to, to like us and subscribe to our show, and we will see you all again on Monday. Bye-bye.